This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Galley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. Budget writers in the New Hampshire House have adopted a proposed two-year state spending plan, and the full House is back to plan to replace the Sununu Youth Services Center. Joining me now are NHPR's Josh Rogers and the New Hampshire Bulletin's Anne-Marie Timmons. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Good to have you both in studio. Josh, the House Finance Committee has passed its proposed budget. Now, the plan will get a vote by the full House next week. What is significant about the proposal? Well, generally speaking, this is a budget that boosts state spending by, you know, roughly a billion dollars. It would spend more in state tax dollars than what the governor proposed. It doesn't raise taxes. It uh, does supply state employees with a pay raise, 10% in the first year, another 2% in the second year, and it lifts Medicaid provider rates far beyond what Governor Sununu envisioned. Um, It made it out of committee on basically a party line vote. So we'll see what happens next week. And Emory, where is the House differing from Sununu's budget proposals? I think those Medicaid rates are a big difference. You know, I think both parties agree they need to come up. Providers are saying we can't hire at thirteen fifty an hour. The difference is how much do they come up? Uh, the providers have asked for about two hundred million in increases. Right now, they have about ninety two million. So I think we could see some movement there. Um, of course, the the House budget right now, as it's going to the floor, it removes all of the governor's licensing uh, changes, which is hundred pages plus of the the budget itself. And then they've taken out money to build a new prison. You know, this eighteen seventy eight facility is rat infested and poor HVAC system. So right now they've taken that money out to replace it. It's possible we could see that come back in, I think, if revenues go up. Where do the two proposals align right now? Uh, Sometimes it's hard to to see that. Um, Both want to cut taxes. Uh, There was a proposal to remove the communications tax. There's some discussion whether we keep that and instead um, phase out the dividends and interest tax. That's a big one. And I do think this agreement to increase Medicaid rates is an important agreement. Providers said they've been asking this forever. And uh, finally, I think all parties do agree on that piece. Josh, are there other changes in the House's budget that you've seen? Well, the the governor, one thing he proposed was significant was some money for school building aid, $75 million. Uh, That's been taken out in the House budget. Uh, Democrats uh, want that back in. Whether that happens uh, is unclear. And, and, you know, the provider rates, that continues to be potentially a moving target. Um, You know, as Amory mentioned, the House did put in a lot more than the governor put in. He was proposing a 3% across the board pay raise, uh, provider pay rate raise. Um, you know, that it could be something that you know, might need to change in order to get this through if, 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 it's in, if the plan is to get it through with the bipartisan support, which you may need given the narrow House margin. Yeah. Okay. So there, there's still some, some, some numbers work that needs to be done even when they do agree on some of these proposals. What's next in the budget process, Josh? What should we expect from here? Well, I mean, it has to. It, in theory, it has to pass the House, and and you could see in the wake of the vote yesterday, where one uh, Democrat, Peter Leishman, uh, joined Republicans, that uh, Republicans were quick to call this a bipartisan budget. Um, you know, if Democrats don't like this budget on the floor and decide that they're going to vote against it as a block, it wouldn't take much to scuttle this. Either uh, a Republican who agrees with them on on that front, or conservative Republicans who think this thing spends too much money, who might not endorse uh, raises for state employees. I mean, there are a lot of policies in any budget, and the margin is very slim. So um, what needs to take place to ensure this budget gets to the Senate? Um, You know, it's complicated. 
It's Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with reporters Josh Rogers and Anne-Marie Timmons. If you've got some questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at voices at nhpr.org. Recently, the House voted to spend over $21 million to replace the state's only youth detention center, the Sununu Youth Services Center. Anne-Marie, what are some of the issues with that current facility? It's really philosophical and financial. It is a detention facility. It's 144 beds. It looks and feels like a detention facility, not a place that would emphasize treatment or therapy. And typically, there are just 12 juveniles there. And the cost of that is about a million dollars per child a year. So a lot of money accomplishing none of the goals that they want to accomplish, which is, you know, therapy. And so I think they really, there's a total agreement that this needs to be smaller and also therapeutic. Josh, lawmakers have been going back and forth with what to do with the Youth Detention Center for a long time now, and it's been difficult for them to come up to an agreement. Why is that? Uh, some of it is inertia. It, it, some of it is what to do with the juveniles who are who are served, if, if you want to call it that, by the, by the Sununu Center. There are staffing challenges. Uh, over the past few years, the state has certainly tried to bolster what is often referred to as wraparound services for uh, at-risk juveniles, uh, efforts to intervene earlier, keep them in their home communities, uh, more support uh, at the local level. Um, you know, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the, the backdrop to that is the, the, the consensus, really, that sending youth uh, who have issues to a place like the Sununu Center may do more harm than good in, in many cases. And, you know, the state is also sending some uh, juveniles out of state f for services, I mean, places like Arkansas, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a tough issue. And, um, you know, as Anne-Marie mentioned, this was built as a detention center and it has a 144-bed capacity and it's operating at, you know, less than a tenth of that typically. So, Anne-Marie, now the House has passed this new bill that would replace the center with a new facility. How would it operate? It, this has to go to the Senate, but we know they already agree with this this concept of a real home setting, six to 18 beds. They're differing over how, how many beds. Um, but it would be a real home setting um, where you would keep people in their community. There would be, a, I think, more kids there and fewer kids being sent out of state. And it would really be about education and counseling and reuniting families and finding supports right there in the community as they transition them out. So I think the wraparound services that Josh mentioned, those have really started to bring down the numbers. And I think as that grows, as we see more of those come online, they'll even be, the idea is fewer kids at the center and more kids in their community. I know there was a controversial amendment to, to the bill that would have changed how children were sentenced to the center. That, that amendment ultimately has failed. Can, can you tell us more about it? Um, this was a confusing amendment, confusing even to lawmakers. You know, on the surface, it sounded like a positive step in the direction of juvenile justice reform. There would have been fewer um, kinds of offenses that could land you in the Sununu Center. It would be a three-strikes rule. You'd have to get to three before going there. I think what child advocates and law enforcement finally convinced lawmakers of was what sounded good would sort of take away their ability to kind of defer charges or uh, negotiate charges. It just was too rigid, and they would find themselves with no choice but to keep the senior center on as an option and, and continue charging kids so they could hit that three strikes rule. 
Now, last year, the state created a $100 million compensation fund to settle claims of abuse at the center. Josh, can you update us on this? Where does that stand now? Well, the fund was created uh, at the behest of Attorney General Formella to compensate victims of abuse at the Youth Development Center, which is the the precursor institution to the Sununu Center located on the same site in Manchester. Uh, you know, there have been hundreds of, of, of cases of, of alleged physical, sexual abuse, you know, really bad things done to juveniles in care of the state by the state. Uh, you know, the illegal use of restraints, improper use of solitary confinement, going back for decades. And 11 former employees have been charged criminally. And the state set up to set aside $100 million to essentially set up an alternate uh, settlement process for victims of abuse. Uh, this proposal was roundly criticized by, by the leading plaintiffs' lawyers representing hundreds of abuse victims, uh, Russ Riley and David Vicinanzo. Um, former Chief Justice John Broderick has been appointed to oversee this fund. Some plaintiffs' attorneys have indicated that they will, uh, that their clients will avail themselves of this fund. So it, it's kind of too early to know exactly how this is going to pan out. But you know, the state sets out a hundred million dollars. The state is spending vastly, um, both on the investigation of abuse at the Sununu Center and also uh, the legal cost involved in defending the state against abuse claims there. So uh, you know, the magnitude of this expense here does show the the magnitude of the problems that the state has had with its sort of youth detention facilities stretching back for decades. And that really is the backdrop to the debate over what to do next. Well, how does that affect the budget process? How does that play a role in, in, in this the center's future? Well, the, the, the I mean, there, there's the litigation budget for the attorney general's office and the legal budget. I mean, the, the $100 million has been set aside, but certainly it is possible that as the budget moves to the center of the Senate, assuming it gets to the Senate, and, and it will, but uh, assuming it does, that, that, you know, some of these issues around the Sununu Center, you know, there's going to be continued potential debate on this. But the bill that passed the House and the bill that passed the Senate, particularly the, the size of the replacement center was an issue, uh, they're, they're roughly aligned. And so, um, you know, we'll see whether how much this plays into the budget or not. And I think last year we heard, you know, if 100 million is not enough, come back and we'll think about more. I think so far we've heard there's been one settlement through that fund. Um, far more victims at this point are going through court. I want to ask you both what other stories you're watching for as we head into next week. And Marie, how about you? Let's start with you first. I'm going to continue looking at Medicaid rates. I hope to do it outside of the state house and get into homes of people who are really relying on those services to kind of show what an increase in Medicaid rates would look like for people. Josh, how about you? Well, I mean, uh, certainly there there are a host of issues within the budget I'll be looking at, and also like what it takes politically to get a budget through the House. I mean, we still, you know, we're still getting a feel for what the narrow uh, margins may mean down the line, and what tact the Republican leaders in the House take. I mean, there's lots of talk about how there wasn't going to be uh, a larded up House Bill Two, the trailer bill to the to the budget that we saw in the last budget cycle in a controversial manner with, you know, abortion limits. Um, education freedom accounts, uh, limits on certain sorts of teachings, whether or not um, the tactic that uh, leaders take, Republican leaders, is uh, either we need to kind of super serve the caucus by potentially adding those sorts of things to a budget as we get farther down the line or whether, um, you know, trying to peel off Democrats uh, and and get bills through. And we're a long way from the end of the year. So that's something I'm going to keep my eye on. Josh Rogers is NHBR's senior political reporter, and Emory Timmons is senior reporter for the New Hampshire Bulletin. Thank you both. You're welcome. Thank you.
You can find more of their work and all the stories we talked about this morning at nhpr.org and newhampshirebulletin.com. And if you missed part of today's segment or you want to catch up on previous week's recaps, you will find the New Hampshire News Recap wherever you happen to get podcasts. And we're here next Friday with another recap. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is NHPR.